Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people. And today we are finally bringing you something that we know you all have been waiting for. Just on the edge of your seats with bated breath every second of every day, waiting to see what comes into the feed on Tuesdays <laughs> because you've been waiting for this moment. Mark me. Mark me. It's the Outlander Omnibus. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, welcome to the first official episode of the Outlander Omnibus. Yay! Our time has finally come, folks. Je suis pray. <laughs> Je suis pray. Mark me. <laughs> oh boy. So we have several disclaimers before we jump into this. Yes. One is that we're going to be talking about the series as a whole. Um, we're not going to be doing recaps, so it shouldn't be too spoilery. Like, it should be general enough that if you haven't watched it but want to, you can follow along and not have your whole life ruined. But if you're, like, a Kelsey and not a Kirsty, you don't yeah. want to listen to any of this. And it depends on how much of a purist you are. Yeah. I don't think it's going to get too bad. I do. But whatever. Uh, so there's that one. So just, like, play it cool. <laughs> and... The other one is that, like, half of our jokes come from the Podlander drunk cast, which is a much smarter and funnier podcast than ours. It's a really good time. I've stopped listening to every podcast I listen to for the past month and only listen to that. Yes. Same. Mm -hmm. If you are at all interested in Outlander and or at all interested in hilarious women making crude jokes while drinking beer, yeah, go listen to that show. It's great. Super great. Good and great. Mm-hmm. What am I missing? Um, I have a personal <laughs> note. Sure. Which is that I sound like an idiot because <laughs> I got Invisalign this week and it makes you have a lisp. <laughs> I swear I can't hear it, but... I'm just putting it out there that I'm a 13-year-old with braces again, so <laughs> if I sound like that, it's not my fault. It's for the greater good. It is I just have to spend good. 40 weeks in the bad place. Casual, casual, casual. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, why don't you introduce us to our first, our opening topic of discussion? <laughs> I decided at some point that we're, we're the Outlander target demo for a lot of reasons. We talked about this when we first discovered it in Pilot Palooza. We're the target demo because they license knitting patterns that match the show. I realized while I was watching that I'm also the target demo because Outlander is effectively an American girl story. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, folks, it's a hundred percent true. It became realer every moment up until the season three finale, the most current thing made it even more an American girl story than yes. I thought. <laughs> yep. Yep. We yep. got there. It really <laughs> panned out for me. The funniest part is that as I was thinking about this getting ready for tonight, I was thinking of all of these like parallels to the Felicity movie. Mm -hmm. And as you were just saying that now, I realized that Claire and Jamie were kicking around the same time that Felicity was. Hell yeah. Felicity could be their daughter. She does have red hair. Oh. <laughs> Just leaving daughters all over the place. <laughs> Give me that fanfic. <laughs> I think the season three finale did enough fanfiction writing for for all of us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, boy. But the story does follow, like, a lot of the same general tropes that the American Girl stories <laughs> set upon us. <laughs> Mainly that we're following a female protagonist through a historical fiction. <laughs> yes. The biggest one. <laughs> but there's also, like, little vignettes about, like, Claire makes a friend, or... <laughs> <laughs> 
like, Claire's Christmas in Boston in the 40s. And, like, I feel like because we travel to multiple time zones, it even applies to, like, this is the... 1960s American Girl yep. story, and this is the 1700s American Girl story. It's just great. Well, right, because you get, like, Claire watches the moon landing. Yep. Claire sees a piece of sheet music from Sebastian Buck. And then you get those ones that are, like, more of a Kirsten story that are a little more hazardous, like Claire yes. takes an ocean voyage, <laughs> or <laughs> Claire learns about uh, ancient medicine, uh-huh. You know. Claire performs abortions. <laughs> the American Girl doll story we never knew we needed. <laughs> I just think that it's a natural progression from being raised on American Girl doll stories and then watching Outlander as an adult, well, not as a child. <laughs> yeah, I mean, generally speaking, they're both costume dramas. Mm-hmm. Most American Girl dolls are costume dramas of some form. Sure. They have, like... A historical red thread. Yep. And they all have thematic arcs. It sounds like we're talking about any story. No, no, <laughs> no, no. It's different. It's different. Those are different things mm-hmm. than most stories. It's true. <laughs> I also like that a lot of the American Girl characters were, like, a little outspoken when they shouldn't be. Yeah. And, like, usually to their detriment, at least at first, it's like... One of those things that's like, Claire, don't get drunk on your first day as a time traveler. (laughs) Like, that's something that one of the American girls, if not all of them, would do. Yes, a thousand percent. And it's the same thing where in all of the American Girl doll stories, the girls are outspoken at the wrong time and it makes them unladylike. But by the end of the movie... They've taught at least their community, if not society, to accept them the way they are. Yep. And that's ultimately what happens to Claire. (laughs) Because she, like, busts in and is, like, giving men orders and shit. And all the men are like, woman, what are you doing? But by the end of it, she's, like, very accepted and respectable. And they all just do as she says all the time. Right. I feel like Claire's outfits for the doll would be really great, too. Oh, what good timing. Check Slack. Oh my god, what gift did you send me? <laughs> no. I, I found a gift for Kelsey on no, Google you tonight. Didn't. <laughs> oh dear I Googled Lord. But <laughs> Outlander American Girl doll. Oh my god, you can get the Sassanac dress. Yeah, you no. sure can. No, oh my god. How many of these am I allowed to buy? <laughs> like real talk. <laughs> How upsetting to you is it that the model doll in all of these is Samantha? No, I found a Kirsten one. Oh. Don't worry. So there's an eBay seller, at least one, there might be more, who makes American Girl doll dresses modeled after costumes. This is amazing. There's so many of them. There really are. There's so many. If you Google... For, oh my god, Kelsey, there's a tartan. I know, I just found it, I think. If you Google for Outlander American Girl doll, this eBay store will come up and you can experience this joy that I have been sitting on this entire time we've been getting ready to record. <laughs> the seller is named Snorkel Granny. So Snorkel Granny! <laughs> That's an incredible <laughs> username. Oh my god, Snorkel Granny! <laughs> Wow, she is really out of control. Snorkel Granny. Oh my god. You she makes me. she I'm makes done. Barbie versions too. <laughs> my god, she makes like little period pantyhose for them. Period oh. is in history, to oh. be clear. You can get the blue Jamaica dress, you can get uh-huh. the Versailles gown. Uh-huh. Here, see, there is so much here. Yep. There, sure. <laughs> she randomly makes curtains. <laughs> well, she's clearly got skill with a sewing machine. Oh my god, though. There's also these, which are not as exciting because they're just for generic dolls. Oh, but man. in these, you can get a more different kind of tartan and you can get the red dress. The red dress would not be appropriate for American Girl dolls. No. Well, no, because Outlander is American Girl doll for grown ups. Yeah. Which so. is the premise that we're working on here. 
<laughs> American girl all, all grown up. Oh my god, this is so amazing. This just made my night. If you add these to the Lion Brand licensed knit patterns... Yep. <laughs> you know there's someone out there, too, who's figured out how to convert, like, patterns for American Girl dolls into, like, adult clothing. I mean, oh, we did spend a lot of time on the Outlander store and we were going to use this as a segment. We still mm-hmm. can. <laughs> we still can. This could be the moment. <laughs> Outlander, the merch story. <laughs> well, that is the American Girl doll story, isn't it? You're right. You're right. I did have the outfits that match my dolls. It's fine. Uh-huh. It's fine. Thus, we come full circle once again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not even like... I don't want all of the period costumes, but I instantly wanted a tartan scarf or like a wrap. Yes. And that's where they get you. That's how they get you every time. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, like, gone on to any kind of merch store recently, it's worth your time to take, like, a brief detour to the Stars website. Oh my god, it's and find so out merch. It's buck wild. They literally partnered with Hot Topic on a line. Yeah. I felt, like, a little bad about myself because I was like, am I this demo? I'm like, no, I think there's multiple demos that fall into the Outlander spectrum. Yeah, no, there's definitely, like, some Venn diagrams. Yeah, and like, sorry if you're in the other diagram that isn't ours, but the good news is where they all overlap is Outlander, right? So right. we're all here together, which, like American Girl, means that it's a unifier. Oh, it is. You see, that's the beauty of American Girl stories: is that it's a story about a specific girl, but it appeals to a wide base of girls. Right. Why do you think everyone likes Claire so much? Right. Is it because she's, she's like an every woman? She's the greatest. She is the greatest. She's pretty wonderful. I know we want to appreciate Claire, so I wanted to give you that platform. I do want to appreciate Claire. I mean, I feel like you could break it down into a lot of parts, but the sort of general reason that I appreciate Claire is because she low key does feminism just by existing as a woman of the world who won't be taken advantage of. Yep. But they didn't make her into, like, the strong woman archetype. Like, she gets scared, she cries, she, like, shies away from people. She's not infallible. She has to be rescued just as much as she saves people. Yep, she does both. She's not a Mary Sue. Yeah. For sure. And they also didn't feel the need to try to prove that she was an equal to her male peers by making her more masculine. Mm-hmm. Like, she's a woman of her time. She, like, wears dresses and is, like, offended at some point when Murtaugh makes her wear pants. And whatever. But she's also not going to take anyone's shit for throwing her the stink eye for sitting at a bar when the bar is supposed to be for men only. Right. It sounds stupid and trite, but it's such a small way of just letting her be a type of woman who is legitimate in this world with no other qualification other than like her being a person yes and that's like really all i think most people are asking for when they're asking for better representation of women (laughs) (laughs) really sounds like it's a lot to ask for (laughs) it's like i don't want you to unreasonable I don't want you to validate this woman by saying she's the strongest woman. I don't want you to validate this woman by making her, like, the best conqueror woman. Yeah. I don't want her to have the most superpowers. I don't want her to be the whatever-est. I just kind of want her to, like, exist in the society of this text and to be, like, treated with some dignity. Yeah. it's all I'm asking for. It's taken me by surprise multiple times how much like my feelings on the show are like entwined with that character because and that sounds stupid because she is the the point of the show but if i if i find myself attached to a character i usually am aware of it i guess yeah yeah. and this one has taken me by surprise because i didn't realize how attached i was until like there were like multiple times when this happened where i'd be like having a lot of feelings and i'd be like wait (laughs) I think I like Claire. I think I'm, like, emotionally invested here more than I thought I was. 
Well, it's worth noting because she's not only the protagonist, but she's also primarily the narrator. Like, the vast majority of the story is her point of view. And in the books, which I have not read, to be clear, but in the books, they're only written through her point of view. So, like, she's not only our protagonist, she's our narrator. And I feel like it's a sign of good writing that they were able to get your feelings intertwined with her. Because, like narrator protagonists are not always effective at drawing you in so that they end up being, like, a proxy for you in the story. Yeah, and I think that's where the difference is. I felt that way on, like, watching Jane the Virgin, too. I think yeah. it's like, another yep. good example. But a lot of the times, if I, I like a piece of content and I'm, like, interested in it, I can be interested based on, like, the premise alone and, like, watching what I'm presented with versus being invested in a particular character which is also like a sign of really good character development (laughs) i'm like funny how that works it's so amazing (laughs) i mean that's like i feel like that's the thing to me is that so much of what i have to say about this show boils down to good writing good character development good direction good production good acting also good acting and a lot of it seems really basic but like this show kind of has all of that. Like, everything they do, they're good at. And I feel like it's hard to find a show where that's true. Like, usually there's some kind of caveat. The only thing that they're honest to God bad at is CGI snow. Yeah, not good at that. I can deal with that. (laughs) It's a trade-off I can accept, because their special effects guy is so talented at everything else. Yeah. So it's like, snow's tricky. And they don't use it a lot. It's not like we're in a snow palace for the no, entire it was, series. It's that one time in Scotland. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. That's the other American Girl trope is, like, all of the place-based stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you get sort of, like, the tour through history, but you also get the tour through the world. Yeah. So we spend a bunch of time in Scotland, and we learn about the culture and history of Scotland and England. And then we go... To France. France, and we spend some time learning about French history as it relates to Scotland, Mm -hmm. but still. Got a little bit of backstory on, like, the war between the English and the French at the time. And, And, like, the cultural differences between those communities at the same time. Yes. Yep. And then we start getting a bunch of historical and cultural knowledge of the colonies and Mm -hmm. modern America. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where we're headed in season four. Yeah. So we'll be getting a lot of that. Yeah. I feel like we're not going to see Scotland for a little while. No, we're not in Scotland anymore. It always makes me sad to leave Scotland, but that's okay. But the show was never about Scotland. It was to me. (laughs) It was a better time then. (laughs) It was a better time then. The world was a simpler place. Mm-hmm. I do think it's semi-interesting, which I feel like this has loose ties, like very loose ties back to American Girl. But it's interesting to me that in season one, we were entering the universe in the build-up to a war. Yep. And now we've moved to a new location, but in the build-up to a war. Yeah. It does seem to be hinging on a lot of different, like important moments in time that are conveniently, like, happening in the timeline of the show. Yeah, it's impressive that they were actually able to bridge together that timeline to make those various historical events work. Mm Mm-hmm. It is. Um, And there's also sort of this underlying historical connection that all of this is related back ultimately to, like, English imperialism. Wait, Kirstie, I just had a (laughs) thought. This is unrelated, but I was thinking about Felicity again. Yeah. She's a really good horseman. (laughs) She is a good horseman! (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, you were making a very smart point about imperialism. I just, like, couldn't move forward. (laughs) Yeah, like, imperialism's boring. Um... (laughs) I did have the thought when that, like, random couple shows up on the beach at the very end of the season three finale, Mm -hmm. the woman's wearing, like, a 
floral pattern dress. Yep. And it did look like something Felicity would have had, or like Felicity's mother. Or like my Halloween costume. Yes. It did. <laughs> Kelsey unearthed pictures of her Felicity costume. It was so legit. It had a bonnet and everything. She did have a bonnet. I think that has to be somewhere in my parents' house. It's gotta be. I hope so. That's hilarious. I would literally pay you money to show up wearing the bonnet. Like, the next time we go to Nashua, just, like, show up in the (laughs) Chick-fil-A. That would not be the American Girl story that anybody wanted. (laughs) And yet, it's almost the American Girl story we deserve. That's very true. Oh. The American Girl story of these are modern times. Yikes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, lordy. What else do we have to say about Claire during Claire Appreciation? Oh, Claire Appreciation. <sighs> She's just, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. Can I say something I don't appreciate about Claire? Yeah, you can. And this is with, like, all the love in the world for Claire. Yeah. Claire does not make useful sex noises no we talked about this yesterday (laughs) we did but her sex noises we saw each other this weekend guys we did Uh, her sex noises are like inconvenient they're just like a little too much for me they're aggressive they're aggressive but like girl gets it well i I respect that (laughs) she's getting hers and like most of the time it's with jamie And he's got to be good at what he does. I would make whatever noise he wanted me to make. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's even voluntary at that point. Nope. He's got to be skilled. We'll we'll save that for the Jamie appreciation episode. We'll get his. Don't worry. We're being so restrained right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's taking a lot of work. In fairness, we went back and watched all of the inside the episodes for all of season three last night. So we got a little bit of it out of our system ahead of time. We did. We did. (laughs) What else did you want to say? About Claire? About Claire, about history, Hmm. historic voyeurism. I just think this is my shit. (laughs) And I didn't... I hadn't been here in a long time. (laughs) And, like, I've tried other historical content like this. Like, I I tried to watch The Crown, and I didn't really get super into it. And, like... I don't think The Crown is a fair representation of, like, historical dramas, though. That's fair. I just... I don't spend a lot of time with them. And the time I have spent has not been my favorite. Yeah. But watching this made me think that this could still be my calling. (laughs) Well, it's working on layers, right? It's Mm -hmm. not just, like, you said this during Pilot Palooza, but it's not just, look at how weird it is without electricity. Right. Or, like, man, men were bad back then. Yeah. Like, (laughs) there's, it's not just, like, these people are in crazy costumes. But the story is otherwise the same. I mean, I love a rom-com anyway. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. They give me a lot of the ROM, which is really what I want. A tiny bit of the com, which is also what I want. There's some com from time to time. I get the American Girl story. I get the medical drama. Yep. It is everything I want in life. It's a strong medical drama. If you guys were worried about it because it's like a romance story and a time travel story, it's got something for everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a strong medical drama. With a female protagonist who becomes a doctor. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's really great. It's also got a lot of friendship stories. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole back half of season two and the front half of season three, I basically just cried about friendship every single episode. You did? I had so many friendship feelings. Oh, God. I understand how. Just constant. In season three, I cried about friendship, like, so much. I didn't cry enough in season three. I was a little disappointed. Oh, my God. There was, like, a five-episode stretch in season three where I it was just nonstop. And I watched four of them in one sitting, so it was just, like, four hours of me, like, crying into my fleece blanket. Oh, God. I feel like I cried, like, a good cry one episode per season. 
Yes, that's true. I get, like, a hard cry. Yeah. I do a lot of, like, weeping instead of, like, crying. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I get a lot of, like, really, really, like, trying not to cry. Like, a, te- a tear or two will just <laughs> seep yeah. out there. I get a lot of the, like, like, my chin isn't quivering, but, like, the tears are streaming down my face. <laughs> <laughs> like, every three minutes a new tear just drops. Right. I've been fortunate that the ones that I had a very strong, like, weeping, crying, sobbing situation, yeah. I was home alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lauren has has caught me crying a couple times. I also think that it's easier for me to do that when I'm home alone. <laughs> yeah, that's probably valid. I just don't cry at media. I like, only cry at media. doesn't make me cry. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this recently, actually, because I was listening to something... Maybe it was a podcast. Yeah. It was two people talking about a thing where they had the same dynamic. One of them cries all the time, but never at media. And the other never cries, but only cries at media. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be, like, a legitimate thing. I think it is. Right? Like, for some people it's catharsis, because that's the only time they, like, let their guard down enough to let it out. Yeah. I don't know why for other people it would be the opposite, because that explanation makes a lot of sense to me. (laughs) I don't know why, like, crying in the real world would mean that, like, I don't need to cry in fiction sometimes. You just get all your tears out. Yeah, I just have nothing left. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Fiction isn't moving. Because you cry at things in real life, things that are fictitious don't hit you in the same way. Yeah, well, I think that's it, is the way that I engage with fiction is not to, like, buy into it. Yeah. It's to sit back and critique the fiction. Yeah. And so, like, I don't think I ever fully buy in wholeheartedly to anything. Oh, I do. Except, perhaps, <laughs> Jane the Virgin and Outlander. That is fair. <laughs> I think, like, those are the only two dramas that have pulled enough buy-in out of me that I they actually get a genuine emotional reaction. My list is longer, but I understand. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm dead inside, so. That's how I know I'm not dead inside. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It makes me feel deader inside than crying at, like, the real world. Because if the real world makes me cry, it makes sense, right? Because it's, like, stress and stimuli and things. But fiction is supposed to be moving. And, like, fiction never affects me. I don't know how to help you. I have no whimsy. It's because you didn't spend enough time with the American girls. (laughs) The American girls didn't develop my empathy at a young age. No. (laughs) Well, like, as someone who's not the most empathetic, (laughs) the show has, like, really broken me. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much empathy in this show. Yeah. Because everything's complicated. Nothing is straightforward. Nothing. Everything, like, hurts you in a hundred different ways, and there's no right answer. And, like, you want to talk about, like, morality Mm -hmm. and shit. Like, there's so many shows that have tried so hard to play with morality. I think of, like, Dexter, which was so proud of itself. Or House. Because it was, like, yeah these, like, twisted views of morality and, like, what is morality after all? Breaking But bad. this show actually does it. Yeah. It does. It's, it's sort of like the feminism, where it kind of does it incidentally just by telling a fucking story. Mm-hmm. Like, what if we just told the story we wanted to tell and the thing we were going for happened to come out of it? Right. It doesn't tend to feel like they're trying too hard. Once in a while, there'd be something that's like, I get what you're doing here and picking up what you're putting down, but for the most part, it just seems to happen nicely. Yeah. The vast majority of the time they cover their tracks. Yeah. There were a couple scenes in Faith that were, like, pretty heavy-handed, and other than that, I don't know if I can think of any other episodes where I was like, all right. I feel like the end of season three had some stuff going on. Oh, no, that's true. I'm not, I'm like, not, I haven't comprehended all of that yet because it's so yeah. fresh but yeah yeah that's true mm-hmm. yeah the end of season three had a completely different like tonality than the rest of the show yeah i didn't really know where it was just probably the point yeah well <laughs> i think we talked about this last night but i do think it's setting you up for like a whole different journey 
Mm-hmm. It's like intentionally shifting your frame of mind to like a different place, literally, but also figuratively, because it's preparing you for like a whole new story and a whole new time and yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> Which like that's been the structure all along because the seasons have operated in halves. Uh-huh. We're like the first half of season one was just Claire landing. No, it was and- Claire and Jamie riding on a horse together with a fucking tartan. Yeah, it was Claire landing and them it was falling the, in love. The greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Tartan blankets. Yep. And then the second half was the beginning of the uprising. The second half was sexy times. Yeah. And not sexy times at all. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you for that caveat. Yeah. I just want to be super clear about like what's going on here. Yep. Um the first half of Season two was France, which is the setup for the second half of season two, which is the actual uprising. Mm-hmm. And then the first half of season three is their lives apart. And then the second half of season three is them landing in the new story. Yeah. So then it seems like the first half of season four would be them establishing the story the way the first half of season two did. And the second half would be the playing out of that story. Yes. <laughs> Structure is cool. Oh, yes. Look at them go. It's almost how, like in American Girl books, the first one was an introduction, and the next one was about going to school, and then the third one was about a holiday, and the fourth one was about summer vacation, and the fifth one was about, I don't something. And the sixth one was about something else. (laughs) (laughs) Which one was about friendship? Sometimes, I don't know. Hold on. Now I'm curious. (laughs) I gotta do this Google real quick. This real, real quick Google. Oh, man. American Girl Books. (laughs) The, The first one was Meet Blank, and then there was Learns a Lesson. Oh, Surprise. That was a Christmas one. Oh. Birthday. Uh huh. Does everyone get a birthday book? Yeah. Oh. And then there's a saves the day. Oh. And then a changes for whoever. Oh. Yeah, that's that's legit, actually, though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually how Outlander was structured. <laughs> Meet Claire. Claire learns a lesson. <laughs> Claire's surprised. <laughs> Happy birthday, Claire doesn't totally work, but it's okay. I mean, it could work. Claire saves the day. Changes for Claire. Yeah. And here we are. Wait, Claire does have a birthday. Season three. She does? No, that's a graduation. Yeah. Damn it. Close enough, though. I mean, we assume that she has them. Well, she probably has them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. The format almost works, guys. That's the funniest fucking coincidence. (laughs) Is it coincidence or is it great I mean, storytelling? It's a thousand percent my head canon now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know if anyone else on the internet has come up with Felicity as their secret child. <laughs> that would be like the greatest thing. That's the best thing that's come out of this episode so far. I know. It's really funny. It's a good theory. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Hit us up if you have thoughts about Claire the American Girl doll or Felicity the child of Claire and Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. We were interested in both of those topics. <laughs> like any topics in between because I think there's some room for conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, this got wild. Speaking of getting wild, we're going to go to a weird place. We're going to get real weird here. (laughs) (laughs) What are we going to do? So this was also, like, I mean, this is a thing that everybody does, so it's not that stolen, but it's, like, low-key stolen from ATV. So, sorry that all we do is steal other people's great jokes. Yeah, that's appointment television. Yes. If you don't listen, they're a really great podcast, too. They're also smarter and funnier than us. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Outlander has characters. Do they? It does. It has many characters. And these characters all have personalities. And this is noteworthy because there are many theories of um, personality uh, categorization, shall Mm -hmm. we say? Mm -hmm. 
And one of those theories was the uh, pedagogical uh, approach of choice at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that is the house system. For those of you unfamiliar, there are four houses. Mm-hmm. Gryffindor, which is for brave people. Uh, I forgot the rest of them. <laughs> Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw, which is for smart people. I don't know how that just happened, guys. <laughs> uh, Hufflepuff is for nice people. And Slytherin is supposed to be for bad people, but it's, like, really up for debate how you define a Slytherin. Yeah. I personally have a very progressive view of Slytherin. Do you want to share what that is? Well, like, so the whole, the, we're, oh, this is not about Outlander anymore. The whole thing about Slytherin, right, is that they're cunning and ambitious mm-hmm. and will, like, do anything to achieve their goals. Yeah. And so that's treated as an inherently evil thing. Yeah. And sure, people with evil motivations are likely to be cunning and ambitious and, like, cutthroat. But yeah. you can also use cunning and ambition for the greater good. That is true. Right? Like, you can be ambitious and still be a good person. Mm-hmm. There's also other theories of um, house sorting, because the fandom is out of control, which suggests that you can have traits of other houses, but, like, you're sorted for your primary trait, or yeah. a trait that the sorting house wants you to develop, or yeah. thinks you'll develop into. So you can be a Slytherin and have a tendency towards, like, being really cunning and resourceful, but you can also be, like, you know, a softy who's, like, kind and looking out for other people like a Hufflepuff. Yeah. And you use your cunning and resourcefulness to protect other people. Yeah. You know, like, there's crossover. There's plenty of crossover. So Slytherins are not all evil. It's just that there are certain characteristics that may lend themselves to evil. Now, I would also argue, at the same time, that Gryffindor seem like... They should produce more evil wizards than they did in canon. Yeah. Because, like, Gryffindor gets a good reputation because they're, like, brave and loyal. They're, like, a little foolhardy, though. They're so foolhardy. They're all brash idiots. Yep. They're arrogant as fuck. Yeah. So every house has its upside and its downside. Mm Mm-hmm. Also of note, Ravenclaw is sort of seen as, like, a neutral house because they, they're just, like, the smart nerds. Yeah. But in Divergent, um, they have a, a more different house system of sorts. Yeah. Except for their entire society. And their smart house, the Erudite, yeah. end up being the evil ones. hmm So being intelligent and doing research and basing your whole life on empirical data only can also lead to being evil. Well, and, like, house acknowledge is considered, like, a powerful position. Right. Right. And there's, like, an inherent power dynamic there. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's, like, some house theory 101 for you. Mm-hmm. Worth noting that it almost seems impossible for a Hufflepuff to become evil. <laughs> Spoken like a true Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff and proud. Mark me. <laughs> I know I don't ever know what house I would be in. You're a Ravenclaw. You think so? Yeah. Alright, I'll take that. <laughs> I sort with absolute authority, and I have been a hundred percent right every time I've had someone go on Pottermore. So <laughs> Wow. If you had asked me this a year ago, I actually would have remembered enough to guess with probably like seventy percent accuracy at least one part of your wand. Oh god. Yeah. Do I have to go on Pottermore now? You're probably going to have to do Pottermore. We could do an episode. Kelsey does Pottermore. Oh, yeah. Should I do that when I finish listening to all the books? Yeah, you all should. All over again? Okay. You should. Oh, my God. That'll be a fun bind-off. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm only on Chamber of Secrets, and it takes, like, three months for a new hold to come in from the library, so... <laughs> so it's going to be a while. Episode 375 is going to be great. <laughs> anyway, that was a tangent. So... Uh, we're going to sort some characters yep. <laughs> into Hogwarts houses. Yep. It's going to be um, great. That, that's what that 10 minutes of premise setting was about. <laughs> um, okay. Let's start with Jamie. He's easy. Yeah? He's a Gryffindor. He he may be a Gryffindor-Ravenclaw combo. Really? I was going to say a Gryffindor-Hufflepuff combo. I 
I don't agree. He's kind and hardworking. He's like the epitome of kind and hardworking. But he is like a good um, politician and he's good at like making up sneaky plans. And I feel like he uses I mean, a that lot would of. make him a Gryffindor Slytherin, really. He's... No, he's very smart. He speaks all those different languages. He's well educated and he uses his education to his advantage. That is true. I mean, I agree with you in this case that, like, his secondary house might be less important because he is, like, a very real Gryffindor. Yeah, he's a very, like, very pure Gryffindor. Gryffindor. Like, he would be one of those people where, like, the hat barely touches his head. Yeah. Um, Claire. I was torn on Claire. Really? I thought she was easy. Tell me what you think she is. She seems like a really easy Ravenclaw. That's what I was leaning towards. Yeah. What was your other choice? My hesitation was was that, like, socially, she's not always as witty as some other people in the room. Or yeah, as, I like, suppose. as like quick and smart. You know what I mean? Like, she's, yeah. she's very smart in, like, medical field things, but, like, as an example of her, like, getting wasted her first day as a time traveler, like, she's not... <laughs> Always as street smart as everyone else, I guess. Yes. Although I think she gets more street smart. Yeah, that's that's if, very true. If you think about all of the improv theater that she does yep. in the later seasons. Yep. Like, I think she she builds on it a little bit. Yeah, I would agree with that. What was her secondary house? We didn't really have one. Oh, okay. I just assumed if you were conflicted that that meant that you had one in mind. I was conflicted, but I don't know that I had any better options. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was a little bit leaning towards her being a Hufflepuff in some ways, too. Yeah. Because she's, like, holds herself to, like, the code of being a doctor and, like, helping everyone and being nice to people when they don't deserve it. Yeah, that's true. I almost think, like, she would be a contender for a secondary House of Slytherin. You think so? Because she, to me, is an example of someone who is cunning and ambitious. Actually, maybe she's a full Slytherin, but uses her powers for good. Like, think about the lengths that she goes to to rescue Jamie. Oh, I have feelings about that. Like, she <laughs> she murders a dude and sleeps with the king. Yep. In, like, a five-minute span. Yeah, she's very, like, unwavering from... Whatever decision she makes, whether it's, like, not talking about Jamie for 20 years or (laughs) being determined to go after someone and find someone. She, like, she keeps Galus from going back in time and murdering Brianna Mm -hmm. by casually murdering Galus. You might be right. Yeah, the more I think about it. She might be a Slytherin. I think she's a Slytherin, but secondary Ravenclaw. And that's why her and Jamie work so well together, because they're, like, opposite ends of the spectrum, but they both meet in the middle at Ravenclaw. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, it's all driven by the same impulse to, like, protect the greater good. Mm-hmm. And it also comes from a place of loyalty, which I imagine that a Slytherin driven by, like, good intentions would be fiercely loyal. Yeah, I think so. To perhaps a smaller group of people. But yeah. still, like, fiercely loyal. Yeah. Like, she's Which, not loyal to all of Scotland. No. No. Her her motivations are not for a free Scotland. Right. Her I think that's actually... The more I'm thinking about it, the more you're right. Because remember when she was trying to not kill Blackjack Randall so that Frank could maybe be alive? Yeah. Yep. And she even kept Jamie, the person who she arguably cares about most out of everything else, yep. from getting his revenge and getting to do what he needed to do to get closure because she wanted to make sure that Frank came into existence. Yeah. Even though she wasn't going to, like, go back and be with him ever again. Mm Mm-hmm. Claire, surprise Slytherin. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Slytherin needs some good representation. That's fair. Needs some good PR. Yeah. Um, Frank. Frank? (sighs) Frank is a Hufflepuff? You think? He might be a Hufflepuff. Huh. Tell me more. He's just so, like, nice. You always feel bad for him. But, like, he he took Brianna even though it wasn't his kid. And, like, I I like to think of Frank as, like, not bad husband Frank, but that's also part of Frank, I guess. 
Although... All you wanted was to be happy and have a normal family. (laughs) Yeah, I would argue that it's not really Frank's fault that he turned into a bad husband. No. Out of the two of them, he, without a doubt, tried the hardest to make that work. Yeah. And, like, Claire was going through some shit, so I don't, like, hold it against her because she was experiencing trauma in, like, a very real way. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, she didn't try at all. Right. And... If anything, Frank was asked to take the biggest leap of faith, and he did it. Yeah. And she really didn't meet him halfway on that one. No. I'll give you. I'll give you the huff. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I'd I'd welcome him into the house. (laughs) I'd be okay with that. (laughs) I could use a smart guy on my team. That's fair. (laughs) Um, okay. How about Jenny? She, she's a Gryffindor too. I think all the Frasers are. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Although I really waffled on whether or not she was a Slytherin. Yeah, yeah. That might be like her secondary house. Yeah. She like tortures a dude and then was super ready to murder him (laughs) to find Jamie. Yeah, but she's a lot more just like does it and doesn't think about it. Yeah, that's true. It's like the brash kind of bravery. Yeah, it's not the like plotting situation. Yes, that is extremely fair. And I think you're right, because I have Brianna on this list as well, and I I don't have a great sense of her personality at this point, but I think she's right. a Gryffindor. Probably. Like, I'm I'm liking this idea that the Frasers are a house family. I think they are. Although, like, I'm just so lukewarm on Brianna that I can't deal with her. I'm holding out hope. I think she just wasn't given much to work with. I just, I don't, I, I But you know, if you step back from the way that character was presented and think about just her actions, mm-hmm. she's the only reason that Claire was able to go back. I she, know. She, like, forced Claire to go back. I know. <laughs> That's an act of bravery. It is, it is. It's not even against her, it's, I think I'm really struggling with the actress. Yeah. And her presentation of that character. Yeah. No, I'm in I'm in total agreement with you. I'm hoping that it's one of those things where the more that she gets to work with the other actors on the show, she'll, like, catch up a little bit. You're in the Podlander camp? Yeah. Well, because we've seen it with other actors on the show. Yeah. We have. I just... I'm not sold, but anyway. <laughs> we'll see. Mm-hmm. There's no way she's not coming back in season four, so... I know, she's just such a wet blanket. Maybe she won't be forever. (laughs) Maybe Jamie will slap her around a little bit. She'll get that fatherly advice. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, let's go with Lord John Grey. Ooh. I think he's a Ravenclaw. Oh yeah? Or a Hufflepuff. I think he's a Hufflepuff. You're probably right, you're probably right. He just has, like, He's very selfless. Yeah. Yeah, he's done so much to protect Jamie, and it's out of a feeling of friendship. I like love, but like friend love. But arguably even not, when, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> even when he first got to like the prison mm-hmm. in the beginning of season three, he seemed to have some amount of desire to like listen to Jamie's feedback about the conditions in the prison and like try to make things somewhat better. Yeah. And even if you go all the way back to when he was introduced in season two, he got sucked into Claire's improv theater and wanted to, like, protect her virtue. Yeah. <laughs> so he gave away the military secrets. But then he discloses later on, like, sort of what we all would have figured, which is that he kind of figured that him doing that wasn't going to save her. Right. But it was still, like, the right thing to do. I think you're right. I'm building a strong house right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> I have no one on my team yet. <laughs> I've got, like, Claire and Jamie who, like, stop by for a bone once in a while. That's about it. <laughs> I was so ready to give you Claire, too, and then she was a surprise Slytherin. She was. It's not our fault. I feel like when the hat was put on her head, she had the hairy conversation with it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Galus. Galus is a Slytherin. Yes. But a bad Slytherin, I think. A bad Slytherin. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's like, the archetypal Slytherin. Yeah. She uses her powers for evil. Mm-hmm. King Charles. Mark me. 
Oh, man. Where do you put someone who's just stupid? <laughs> Unfortunately, there isn't a house for just, like, dumb people, but there really should be. He's definitely not in Ravenclaw. No. I personally think he's a Slytherin, but he's not a cunning Slytherin. Like, no. he's too dumb to be cunning. He's like a Slytherin light. Yeah. <laughs> like, he has the impulses of a Slytherin, but he's just a dingleberry. <laughs> Or is he just a dumb Gryffindor, though? Um, he's not brave, though. No, you're right. He's not brave. (laughs) He fails at bravery. He's the opposite of bravery. Yep, yep. I think you're right. I think he's Slytherin light. I think that's how we have to term that. (laughs) Slytherin light. Yep. Fergus. Aw, Fergus! Fergus is a Hufflepuff. Really? No, uh... Eh. I think he wants to be a Hufflepuff. I don't know if he is or not. (sighs) Okay, so here, this is interesting. Because I was running in my mind, is he a Gryffindor or a Slytherin? Mm -hmm. But I think I was thinking about young Fergus. Yeah. If I think about older Fergus, I think you're right. He's trying really hard to, like, be a good person and be noble. Yeah. And, like, do the right thing. So maybe it's a case. It's like a Neville Longbottom situation. Where the hat sorts you into the house it knows you'll grow up to be. Yeah. But that's, like, where you have a skill deficit. Right. And so in order to make you into the person you deserve to be, they have to sort you into that house when you're young. Mm Mm-hmm. But that breaks with the Fraser tradition. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's an honorary Fraser, after all. He's not a blood Fraser. That's fair. Um... Roger. Roger is a Ravenclaw. Yeah. Yeah, he's I got one. Hufflepuff, but he's definitely a Ravenclaw. He's like the third hottest guy on this show, so I'll take it. Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, Myrta. Myrta! Myrta! Ooh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. He is not a Gryffindor. You don't think? No. Hmm. <laughs> I would put him into, like, a surprise Slytherin, almost. I think he's, like, up there with Claire. Tell me more about that. He spends a lot more time, like, thinking through actions than Jamie does. And he's always, like, cleaning up his messes. And he's just more thoughtful, and he, like, came up with that whole plan to find him, like, with that ridiculous (laughs) dance routine. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he does it out of loyalty, though, so I don't know where that lies. That almost sounds more like a Hermione to me, though. Mm, that could like be. Like the Hermione way of being a Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. That could be. I mean... I'm open to that. Some, some Gryffindors are thoughtful. Yeah. It's really only Harry who's brash. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> it's because he's a dick. He is a dick. But... I'll give you that. Because... I mean, mostly I just don't see... Like, everything he did was out of, like, a protective instinct. I didn't see him doing anything out of, like, a desire to gain something. No, you're right. It wasn't, like, a personal agenda either. Right. So he's a grifter? Yeah, he's a grifter. (laughs) Which I know has another meaning. It's fine. (laughs) Let it happen. Uh, How many more do you want to do? I've got it. We haven't even done half this list yet. Dear God. All right, (laughs) pick, like, your top three or four. Okay. Leary. God, she sucks. (laughs) She is a Slytherin. Yes. A bad Slytherin. A bad Slytherin. Got a lot of Slytherins on this list. Who's like, what's your Slytherin list? Just hit him. Um, So one of them is the Duke of Sandringham. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he's so willing to play any side. Like, he literally plays both sides so that whichever one wins, he ends up in good standing. Yep. Um, the Comte Saint Germain. Mm-hmm. Dick Fox. Yep. Um, he's a Slytherin. Uh, what do you think of Dougal? He is a Gryffindor. Mm. Because he- I don't know that anyone loves Scotland more than Dougal. <laughs> Except for maybe Galus. That's fair. But Dougal's a lot more, like, reckless and- yeah. I get the sense that in his mind he's not doing it for his personal agenda. No, no. In his mind, he absolutely believes it's for the greater good. Yeah. And he's wrong. Yeah. But in his own delusion. Um, 
I would argue, too, that his love for Scotland is way more pure than Galus's. Yeah. I think Galus has, like, a psychological um, issue. <laughs> She's got a lot going on. She's got a lot going on. And for some reason, it manifested itself in Scotland. Yeah. And okay. I think that he also does a lot for, like, his clan. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of the Mackenzies actually are Gryffindors. Colm, I think, is a Ravenclaw, though. I agree. I was going to do him next. <laughs> yes, because he, he, like, absolutely is, like, the holder of all wisdom. Mm-hmm. And practices, like, sage judgment. Mm-hmm. But, like, all he really has to offer is his intellect. Yeah. He's not going to go fight any battles. No. But that's also, like, not his job. Right. Um, so here's one that I don't know what to do with. Ooh. Because I think the answer seems like it should be obvious, but I'm not sure what to do with it. Hit me. Blackjack Randall. <sighs> I don't know. Right? It's messy. He's not a Hufflepuff. No. He's not a Ravenclaw. No. I don't, I don't think. No, no, his motives aren't, like, terribly intellectual. No. Because one of my problems is that Gryffindors and Slytherins are both inherently self-centered people. Yes. Sorry to all the Gryffindors and Slytherins out there, but that's, like, it's, like, an intrinsic thing to those two houses. Like, in order to be, like, brave and noble, that comes from a self-centered impulse. Yeah. Not selfish, but, like, self-centered. And the same with, like, being cunning and ambitious. Like, that's a thing for self-preservation. Yeah. And really, that's Blackjack Randall's main character trait. Yeah. It's like, everything about him is just about him. Yes. That's, like, where the sadism comes from. It's the narcissism. Right. But I, f I could almost put him in either house. Especially if you consider it... As we have with other characters is, like, how they view themselves. Yeah. Because Although often, he knows he's also a crazy person. Well, he knows that he's, like, gross, for sure. But I think he also believes that there's part of himself that acts with honor. Mm-hmm. Like, his worldview is twisted, but he also believes he conducts himself with honor. Yeah. Although... And, like, him... I don't know, though. I was thinking about the stuff with his brother. Yeah, yeah. Although, that would be, like, a Slytherin way to try to protect someone. Yeah. You know, Slytherins can care about people, too. Yeah. I feel, I'm leaning Slytherin. Yeah. Mostly because I feel like he's more calculated. Yeah. And, like, the prison was something that he built up over time. That's true. That wasn't something that he just, like, recklessly was, like... I have feelings about whatever, and I'm going to do this thing. Right. That wasn't reactionary. Right. Because he's a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Well, that makes me feel better, because I felt like it was obvious that he was a Slytherin, but I didn't want it to be like, well, he's the villain, so he's a Slytherin. Yeah. Wanted there to be a rationale. The villain and the heroine are both Slytherins in this case. <laughs> that must make for a really awkward common room. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though, because... There is this whole thing throughout the whole story about, like, how fate, like, fate kept making sure that Claire and Blackjack and Frank were intertwined. Yeah. So it seems fitting that they're both in Slytherin. Mm-hmm. They have, like, some commonalities, but they manifest differently because their motivations and their intentions are different. Yeah, it's true. I think that's, that's the vast majority of, like, the important characters on my list. That was a fun exercise. Is there anyone I missed that you want to sort? No, I feel good about this list. Okay. <laughs> well, if you have thoughts or feelings about these characters or where they're sorted, or if you think we missorted anybody mm -hmm. and have a defense of the house you think they belong in, you can find us on Twitter at HateWatchWithUs, or you can send us your thesis on the house sorting of Outlander. To our email, hatewatchthis at gmail.com. Also, if there's other Outlander topics you want us to address, the omnibus is not over. 
Yeah, the omnibus is just beginning, and we are open to feedback. It can last as long as mm-hmm. you want it to. Mm-hmm. So if there's more, I mean, within reason, but if, <laughs> if there are topics you want us to talk about, we are happy to. So tell us on Twitter or send us an email. Yep. We'll be happy to explore. Mm-hmm. Where else can they find us? They can find us on our website, hatewatchwithus.com, or on thoughtbubbleaudio.com, thoughtbubblefm on Twitter, and some other places on the internet under Thoughtbubble. Um, they're our friends. They make other fun podcasts. I think there's some new podcasts coming soon. Yeah. Unclear. But yeah, stay tuned. There's good stuff there. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Mm-hmm. We should do a sorting with the friends from Thought Bubble Audio. What would we sort? Their houses. Oh, like sort them. Yeah. Oh, God. I could <laughs> get personal. We just <laughs> <laughs> We've only met, like, a couple of them in real life, so that could be... I mean, it could be a self-report. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We'll do that in the, in the Slack channel. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it's a nice thing to know about people. No, it is. You're right. I generally figure it out about people within the first, like, ten minutes of knowing them. But... <laughs> Where do you sort the people who s- report that they just don't do Harry Potter? <laughs> They're muggles. They don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Damn squibs. Oh, man. <laughs> Get out of here, squib. Aw. No, that's mean. I'm just kidding. But also, fuck you. (laughs) Mark me. Mark me. Well, if you enjoyed this, come back for more, because we've got it. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Kelsey almost fed me fake maple syrup.